0: Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They're the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com.
1: can say we are champions, we are
2: the champions of the world. Yeah. What is up, everybody? It's that time again for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from Another Mother, Jim Cross. Jim, tonight's episode 14 titled Fresh Out the Pen, because tonight we get to talk all things LSU baseball, man. I know you're excited. Not only are we going to talk a national championship run with your favorite team, but we're going to talk to two guys that were integral in the championship run that the tigers put out last season we got gavin gidry griffin herring on the show tonight i'm ready i know you're ready so let's get right to it jim help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week lsu baseball stars and our friends gavin gidry griffin herring
0: Man, Gavin and Griffin, the G unit do. What is going on, Gavin? How you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Griffin, how we doing? Doing great. Man, I'm excited. I felt like it's taken forever to get this episode. We booked it so far back and we did that event together and like so man, I've I've been waiting for this. People have been asking me like when is that episode? I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. So we're we're finally here. But before we get into y'all story, before we run back the magical season, uh, we want to break the ice. And so, Gavin, I'll start with you, man. You have your own late night talk show, and you can have anybody on as your very first guest. Doesn't have to be an athlete necessarily. It can be anybody in the world. Who's your first guest? Probably Joe Rogan. Probably gonna go with Joe solid. Rogan. He's gonna he's gonna do a little reverse. The guy who has a show himself. Okay.
1: Yeah, Joe Rogan, I mean, I think he's probably the best – got the best podcast out there. And then he's got, I mean, different opinions about everything you can imagine. So, I think a pretty cool conversation.
0: Well, I mean, well, let's keep it honest. He's got the second best podcast. I, I mean, I personally feel like I got the yeah, best yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. His his uh, numbers and money say otherwise. But for you, Griffin, who is it?
3: I'd say either Elon Musk. Or Sugar Sean O'Malley. I've been watching a lot of UFC lately, so Bro, yeah, I just we, watched this fight the other night. Yeah,
0: my my nephew got the wild itch to like. He was like, "You know what, man? It's plus two fifty on O'Malley." He goes, "I'm gonna drop five hundred dollars right now." Anyway, <laughs> obviously the knockout happens. I'm surprised the cops didn't call and think there was a domestic, uh, you know, violence thing going on. He screamed so loud when he wanted to start running through the house screaming. Uh, but it was great. Yeah. Like that, that yeah. fight. Yeah. That whole
3: card, you watch that whole card. I didn't watch the whole card. I, uh, I just went over, went over to one of my buddy's house and caught the, the Sean fight, but I've been, it, I've been watching it, a lot was, of highlights like, and everything else.
0: Yeah. It was like, I'm not one of those. It's like a diehard UFC fan, but I can get into it. Like dude, there was a lot of good fights that night. And so that was, that was one worth investing. Cause you know, it, you know who he's fighting next, team.
2: right? You know who he's fighting next,
3: right?
2: Hmm. The winner of Elon Musk and Mark
3: Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, pay to, I'll pay to see that one for sure.
0: People course. really would. They would make like as if they need to make more money. They would. They would make even more. Of the rich get richer. Uh, but coming back to you, Gavin, man, the crowd wants to hear you do karaoke. You got to do a song. Doesn't matter the genre, but you got to. You got to sing what you feel most comfortable on stage. What you bringing? Probably "Beautiful
1: Girls" by Sean Kingston. Yeah, you know. That's
0: probably would probably be the go-to. Griffin, I know you're fixing to bring some country or something. At mm-hmm. me. What you What you
3: got? Oh, he's not going probably, country. Probably some, probably some Tyler Childers or Zach Bryan.
1: Oh, he is going country.
3: I knew he was. That Texas boy was coming at me with that. I've been, I've been big on the on the Zach Bryan lately.
1: Country so. know, music, though, come on.
3: I. I I could never see myself singing karaoke, to be honest with you, so. (laughs) If the crowd calls for it, you got to do it, man.
0: Oh, you got it. Gavin Gavin said he could sing it better than that, though. Uh, So, speaking of beautiful girls, what a segue, Daniel. Gavin, man, who was your childhood celebrity crush?
1: Oh, no. I'm going to get in trouble with my girlfriend for this one, but I'm going to say Margot Robbie.
0: First of all, you can't ever get in trouble for saying Harley Quinn. And second, it was childhood. Like, I mean, you could have it was five you years could ago.
2: In a lot of trouble because that's not childhood. That's right now. <laughs> that's, that's the, yeah, celebrity crush. All
3: right, Griffin, who you got? Probably like that, like 2014 Hunger Games Katniss Everdeen. Oh, uh, no that's a new one that's a new one that's a that's,
0: that's a like, little different
3: well I mean you said childhood that's like I mean I don't know I'm like eight or nine something like that, so you just suppose you're a you're a hunger games gal growing up i I read the books I watched the movies all
0: right all right this one won't get you in trouble Gavin that's the last one man this this is the important one favorite athlete growing up
1: Derek Jeter, hands down for Ooh. sure.
0: Solid, and if Randy was here, that is his favorite athlete growing up as well. So, boom!
3: Who you got, Griffin? Kershaw. I wore number 22 all through youth baseball. So, yeah, I, I hear he's, he's good. pretty
0: good, Daniel. What do you think?
3: <laughs> Local Texas guy, too, Just connected to it.
0: Yeah, he's from Dallas,
3: he's not? from Highland Park, it's about 30 minutes from me. It's
2: so guys getting into the story, obviously, you know, there's a lot to unpack with this past season, but before we get there, I kind of want to backtrack and like, let the fans get a glimpse of just the career and the story that kind of led all the way up. So, uh, when we talk about, you know, the beginnings, um, we talk about growing up and falling in love with baseball for the first time. But I mean, obviously, Gavin, I'll start with you, man. Tell me a little bit about the hometown. Where are you from?
1: Uh, I'm from Lake Charles, Louisiana. So that's probably, I don't know if anybody uh, doesn't it, know where that's. like two hours straight west from Baton Rouge. So I was a LSU fan my growing up my whole life.
2: You got mom, dad, brothers, sisters. Yeah, I got me, uh, my
1: parents, and then uh, I have two brothers. I have a younger brother and then an older brother, and then I also have an older sister. All four of us played sports growing up. Our life revolved
2: around sports. <laughs> so what was so what was you know, dinner time like? Was it just full of like making fun of people, very competitive, or was it very like loving, supportive, Brady Bunchish? Like what what was the scenario like?
1: I'm gonna be honest. Uh our dinners, we didn't have a whole lot of sit down with the whole family dinners because we were all outside running around and it was just come in grab some food eat real quick and then get back out going and go play basketball on the night just I mean we were when I was younger it was just constant go 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 all we do is play sports I mean there's sometimes you just forget to eat dinner whenever I was way younger so but I mean I have a very competitive competitive family all six of us are and uh yeah we definitely go at each other all the time to compete to be the best at everything
2: who's the most athletic who's the best athlete of the crew
1: i mean come on definitely I mean, but there are people if you would ask them they would say my sister
2: that's usually what we get is it's like a very like immediate oh you know if we have guys on that have an older or younger sister they're always like oh it it was my sister not and, cameron
0: james he acted well, just like
2: gavin did yeah he's a little different but you know also also we got guys who were like whose parents were athlete they're like oh mom's was the best athlete she would hands down kick all of our ass in her prime versus our prime so um it's 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 good that you're gonna bet bet on yourself but I wouldn't expect anything less when you're growing up with with that much competition and that much drive and fuel like you gotta course you're gonna
1: pick yourself yeah. about my sister was she grew up playing sports against nothing but guys and so then she got to like middle school basketball and middle school volleyball and she was like just way more athletic than everybody else and then she played high school volleyball and high school softball and uh was really good had offers to go play college volleyball but just kind of decided she wanted to start making money and start her life so
2: so at what point, obviously, you know, you guys are, are busy all the time, whether it's it's actual like competitive sport or it's outside in the backyard or, you know, shooting hoops in the driveway, whatever it is. But at, at what point did you start playing baseball? I'd assume at a pretty early age, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, baseball was like the first sport that I even knew. I've known it. I mean, since I can remember, I had a baseball in my hand, like, when I was – so whenever I was, like, just before I turned two years old, I almost drowned in my grandparents' pool from chasing a baseball into the pool that I, like, just threw. I would just pick up the baseball and throw it and then chase it and pick up the ball and throw it like a little puppy. And uh, I picked it up and threw it in the pool one time and chased it after it. Being two years old, didn't know what a pool was, fell in, parents didn't see me. And then, like, a minute later they pulled me out and I was, like, purple and i almost died so it's crazy yeah so i mean base i've been chasing after baseballs my whole life
2: so griffin I'll, you know you talked about kershaw you talked about texas tell me a little bit about your
3: hometown so i'm from Southlake, texas um i've lived there since third grade i lived in Alito, texas before that both pretty similar uh Southlake's a little more, little more in the city, but um, both very competitive with sports. Like Alito holds the uh, the record in Texas for the most football state championships. I think they have nine, and Southlake's got like seven or eight, maybe. Um, what is high high school football like in Texas, in your
2: opinion? It's, it's exactly it's just, what absolutely. I picture it being.
3: It's, I mean. It, I wish that y'all could see a picture of like my my high school's football stadium. Like it's not even on the campus. Like it's off the high school campus because it's too big, and it's not even that big compared to some of the other ones. Like I'm sure you've seen the viral uh, Allen Allen Texas Stadium, and I mean they're only they're only getting bigger. So it's it's a lot of fun. It was a cool environment. I wish that I would have kept playing past my sophomore year but you know baseball baseball calls you gotta pick it up it is what it is my my question is because i was trying to think
0: and it, and drew Brees played at west lake. like is there like a west south north lake like we
3: got lakes from all over battling what we got <laughs> west west lake is actually austin west lake um so it's a it's a little bit little ways down there but they're they're also i mean just ridiculously good there's some real like football powerhouses in texas that out athletes like it's nothing like I know how much
0: Louisiana gets supported in baseball and football in Texas with football being so big I mean does does baseball get the proper love
3: I don't think so hmm. I mean everybody sees sees my school Southlake as a football school but then I mean you look and we haven't won a football state championship in like 10 plus years and we've won three baseball championships in the past five but you know just it is what it is.
2: What's what's the baseball stadium like? That's what I want to know.
3: Um I mean it's nothing it's nothing crazy. It's it's very nice. It maybe holds 1000 people. No, not maybe not. Maybe if you counted standing room on the side and everything, but um I mean it's nice. All turf field. Well, put it put it to you like
0: this, Daniel. He still doesn't realize it's still a lot bigger in Texas for sure because the Soto Central just down the street. Home of Austin Riley, they got four state championships in what, like the last ten, and they hold maybe two hundred people at best. So, yeah, y'all still doing it bigger in Texas.
3: Just have to.
2: Yeah, for sure. So let's let's talk about the dinner table. Obviously, you know we we heard from Gavin. Gavin had a had a full table. Not, they didn't spend a lot of time at it, but there it would have been full if they would have had a family dinner. but what about you? What's family life like
3: so I've got my my mom and dad, and then I have uh one older and one younger sister. We're all four years apart so um i'm in the I'm right in the middle. What is it was- like
2: being in the middle child between two girls like do you lean more on one over the other, or do you utilize both of them, or you just kind of they're closer than you
3: are with them? I would say um especially when when I was a little bit younger, lean a little more on the older sister, just um like she's in high school, I'm in intermediate or middle school or whatever, so you know just trying to figure out figure out stuff about high school, how to get through it, you know. She played high school sports, um, so kind of figuring all that out. And then she went to college. She's, you know, living on her own and everything now. So I still see her, but I don't see her as much as my little sister. So, um, but I would still say that we're all relatively, you know, pretty equal as far as closeness goes.
2: Do you ever congratulate your older sister on finding out where your parents' line in the sand is so you know where it's at?
3: yeah, it, uh, it was definitely nice to have someone, someone kind of go through, give it a test run. There you go.
2: So I feel like the middle, the middle child sometimes gets forgotten. Um, it's, it's all about the older sis, sibling that, you know, obviously thinks the world revolves around them. And then the younger sibling, because they're the youngest, they get more of the attention. And then that middle sibling kind of, they just kind of float out there. They know their loved, but maybe not as much as the other two. What what is it like being a middle kid?
3: I think that I, I don't have it too bad as far as middle middle childs go, just because I'm the only boy. So, you know, I'm the only one playing baseball, football. Um my older sister played basketball, but um so I kinda have a little bit of an advantage and, you know, try to always try to always outdo outdo their grades, outdo outdo their sports, which Not always easy, but try my best
2: when you talk about sports at what age did you start playing sports and then at really what age was it that you started picking up a baseball and playing for the first time.
3: The first sport I really played was, um, you know, I feel like a lot of little kids just play soccer like it's just easy like when you're three, four or five years old and then uh, when I was six that's when I started playing t ball and football so um started playing football and had to drop soccer that was the that was the choice and decided to go with football
2: yeah I think I think what happens is as a kid they're like all right soccer is good because you're basically utilizing either your feet or your hands you're either the goalie and you're using a lot of just your hands and that's really the main focus as a kid and it's easy to like just focus on that one particular thing or you run and you kick the ball, you know, at the, in the other position. So well, you're a kid, like it's so much easier to just break it down and go, all right, we're playing soccer because you can just focus on this one.
0: Thing. My dad signed me up for soccer at four because he said he needed to run the energy out of me. So he thought, well, better than a soccer field and baseball just never took Daniel. As you know, I went out there, I was the kid playing in left field with the grass. So it just didn't take.
2: Oh, it's. Baseball's not for everybody, man. It's, it's definitely. Yeah. There's, I'm sure Gavin and Griffin can attest to this. There's always one kid out there picking flowers and playing in the dirt,
3: not paying attention. It's just always one. Yeah. So, no, I mean, There's always gotta be, especially when you're playing in that, you know, youth rec league, whatever it is, T-ball. You're the, my team was the Red Raiders. Cause my dad was the coach and he went to tech. You're playing against the Yankees or, you know, whoever else and just out there having fun. It's nothing. There's story.
0: almost at this point, especially where I live, there's almost not wreck anymore. It is everybody's on a travel team now? Like it, it's crazy. So if you're a kid that, you know, is not very good and just want to play for fun, there's almost not even an opportunity for you anymore. It's
3: ah.
2: sad. It's
1: sad.
0: Yeah.
3: I, I mean, I know that I started playing select baseball at seven. So. I played I did my one year in the rec league and that was about it.
1: Yeah, I did the same thing. But I mean, I don't know. There's a whole nother time to talk about where the travel baseball world's at. I think it's yeah. not in the right place. I don't
3: think so either. I know not um, of the best time, the time I had playing baseball was on my T ball team All Stars going to this who I mean, who knew there was a state championship for T ball All Stars, but played Yeah,
0: all. I mean that's basically y'all you know, y'all met my son and man, he's just like a really fun outgoing kid. And when it became competitive and we kind of got out of the rec thing, it wasn't for him anymore. He didn't like coaches yelling all the time. He didn't like, you know, like it just, it just became a whole nother level and it's like, damn man, my kid's eight years old and you're making it sound like winning this game is life or death. And it's like, calm down.
3: Yeah. I think, I think the coaches are kind of to blame for, for a lot of the a lot of the kind of misgivings about travel baseball and you know I've had great experiences with all of my travel ball coaches but I've seen from other people and heard stories and it's just just let let the kids go out there and play let them have fun that's the whole point of the game
2: so it's it's twofold man I I coach baseball at multiple levels travel baseball college baseball high school baseball but I think a lot of it is is there's parents out there that are living vicariously through their kids and they're pushing the kid harder than the kid really wants to be pushed when the kid doesn't even know what they want to do. It's like, you know, Jim and I talk about this all the time and we probably will get into this, but like, you know, for a long time, there was this, this thing about high school kids as freshmen and eighth graders committing to a school when you don't even know who you are. Became this this crazy trend, but uh, thankfully that's kind of gone by the wayside. But um, you know, we'll we'll get into that. I want to start with high school though. with With you, Gavin, tell me about your high school. Um, where'd you go?
1: Uh, I went to Barb Barb High School. Uh, played baseball there for four years. Didn't play anything else, just baseball. And uh, we won two state championships my freshman year and then my junior year.
2: So let's let's take a look at that. So, you know, I had to write all these down. 2022 Gatorade Louisiana High School Player of the Year. You hit 422, 5 homers, 25 RBIs, 36 and 4 record. You know, you had a berth in the Class 5A quarterfinals. You, you compiled a record of 8 and 0 on the mound with a era 83 strikeouts 11 walks and 45 innings you were the number one ranked player in louisiana by perfect game um in 2022 as well as being nationally ranked as the number 13 shortstop and let's let's start with the question obviously this is what everyone wants to know so since you're good at both what do you like better do you like playing shortstop or do you like pitching better
1: yeah uh I mean, I didn't really know that answer coming into college because I just always did both at a really high level, and like, I never had to to choose one. I just always did them, and I loved doing both. But I'm gonna be honest. Uh, this past season, whenever playing short and hitting gotten taken away from me, it was a completely. I was a completely different person. Like, I just didn't feel right to me as much. And then, like, last fall, I didn't pitch at all. And I just played short and hit. And uh, baseball was a ton of fun. Like, I loved it, blah, blah, Not that I didn't love this season. This season was amazing. But only pitching felt super weird, and it just didn't feel right to
2: me. So, feel- I would say hitting it. Do you feel like – um, do you feel like your work – on the mound got better because you devoted all your time to it Um, or do you think had you split time you still would have been as good on the mound as you were this past season
1: yeah uh I mean I think that I still I don't think that uh the production would have been better or worse if I'd have stuck to one or the other it's more about just a health thing right that's the that's more the kicker than uh, anything else that people don't realize. Not necessarily can people actually be productive at both. It's more of just doing both is such like a high workload in your body. And the people that do both in the professional baseball level are guys like Shohei are 6'6 and 260 pounds, and they're just like, they're built like freaking Mack trucks. Well it's not, funny you not, bring
0: that it's funny you bring that up because uh I texted Paul before they had even came out with him saying that uh he was going to just pitch only. And I asked him, has he thought about hitting? And he said they asked him, you know, they, they said he'd have the opportunity. He said he didn't want to. He said it was just too much. He said he's done gotten so comfortable at pitching only, he was just gonna stick there.
1: Yeah. Like that's like that's like Paul. I mean, even whenever he was at Air Force, I mean y'all saw how big and physical he is. I mean, doesn't get much more physical than that. Now, he was also catching a little bit, but, I mean, his body was breaking down when he was at at Air Force, right? Like, you know, I talked to him. He had some back problems at Air Force. Things bugged him over there. And so, I mean, if that dude, it's just just hard to stay healthy when you're doing both at a really high level. You're doing them both a lot.
0: We had Austin Riley come on here. Obviously, everybody knows who Austin is, and Daniel will tell you. When it when he got drafted, they wanted him to pitch and play third, and he told them straight up, he goes, man, I'm tired of my arm hurting. I just want to play third and hit. And obviously you see what he's doing now, and it's working out. But, I mean, whether it's you, Paul, or him or anybody, man, yeah, it's taxing on you. Yeah. I think what
2: you did is in high school, you you posted a .16 ERA, and so, like, you were getting every batter out. And so I guess LSU's like, well, that's what we want. You know, we want every batter that comes to face Gavin to be out. We don't want any runs to score. We want to make our job much easier. But um, I'll ask you this, man: What is it like towing the rubber, knowing like, like they might get a hit here or there, but like you basically own everybody with a .16 ERA. Like, there's like no worry in the world. Like, you know your stuff is better than any batter that steps in the box.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, pitching in high school baseball was completely different than pitching in college baseball. Uh, I mean, you kind of just showed up to the field and, you know, you went through your routine and got your stuff done, made sure your body was going to be healthy and got yourself going. And it was like, once you got on the mound, it was just, you knew that all you had to do was make your pitches and there wasn't really anything that anybody else could do. And in college, it's a lot more of like, you can make a pitch and it can still get hit and you're kind of up there thinking and wondering how, how the hell do they even hit that? Like, it doesn't really make sense. But uh I mean, in high school baseball, that didn't happen. If you ever made your pitch and you did what you were supposed to do, you got out. So that was all it was in high school baseball, just learning how to, how to actually pitch and how to get guys out. And then, you know, pitching, pitching in the amateur level is way more ahead than hitting is so. When you go watch elite high school pitchers pitch to elite elite high school hitters, the pitchers are usually going to win also.
2: Yeah, true. Um, so you talked about LSU, you talked about where you're from and like the, the natural move for you, especially being, you know, the best, one of the best baseball players in the state of Louisiana. Um, it was an easy choice, I think, for you to go to LSU once they offered you, but there's also a decision that you had to make between LSU or going pro. Like, what was the difficulty with that decision? And why inevitably did you go, you know what, I'm going to go to college. That's that's where I need to be.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought there was a lot of value for me coming here. Um, so my senior year, I ended up getting hurt. I had, I had a lot of back problems, so going into the draft, uh, a lot of scouts kind of just saw like a shadow of what I thought that I could do. Right. Uh, like if you look at the stats, like I only threw like 46 innings throughout a 45 or something like 45 game season. I went through like 46 innings. And, uh, so I thought that I had a lot more that I could show. And then, uh, also a lot of scouts are talking to me about going over there just to pitch and not, uh, play short. And, uh, I wanted to give myself a real shot at playing professional baseball and either doing both or giving myself a shot at uh playing short and hitting in professional baseball. So that's the main reason that I came here. Uh I trusted coach Jay Johnson and uh chief and all the coaches at LSU to develop me and uh just put me in a position to succeed. So it seems like a solid I'm-
0: decision at this point, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good <laughs> decision it's it's almost like when you go to a school like LSU it's just the history and the expectations alone it's almost like being in a professional atmosphere without getting paid for it so to speak so like when you talk about gaining experience and in playing high level competition and, and maximizing your value and not having these glimpses of what you could do but having it every day like you're playing in the sec you're playing for one of the the top teams in the country and you know by the way you are going to be a key player in what you guys inevitably did so i think like there's no loss there as a matter of fact I, i think you're by not going pro you actually benefited yourself because one you won a national championship and two like you had a ton of success this year. so
0: When Daniel, when you look at it, cause you know, they talk about Cruz and him saying, you know, about going to college, but you look at these two guys right here. I mean, so you could, you, you can look throughout LSU, but these are two guys who had the stuff to go ahead and go to the next level and look at how much they're being rewarded for going to college. So these guys are really, you know, showcasing for the younger generation, like, Hey man, college, there's something to it.
2: for Sure. So, Griffin, you you mentioned, you know, playing baseball in Texas, 1,000 um, seaters, 1,000 seats, you know, at at the baseball park. So what high school did you go to?
3: I went to South Lake Carroll High School.
2: South Lake Carroll. That just seems like a juggernaut, a powerhouse. Where'd you go,
3: oh, South Lake Carroll? Yeah. I think the two names really kind of just, just put think- emphasis on it so you know it doesn't
0: roll off like the highlands though daniel the highlands has we've had like five guests from the highlands so
2: anytime like south lake carol is more like we're good and we're going to work really hard and beat your ass the highlands are
0: like oh how dare you come to the Highlands?" (laughs) us like please tell me you played them in in sports tell me y'all go against the highlands
3: griffin I can't say I've ever played against the Highlands.
2: <laughs> well, you should have because had you, you probably would have racked up even more stats than this. You posted a 13-1 record in 2022 with a 0.24 earned run average. You were the player of the year in the Blue Belt, Texas Sports Writers Association, Class 6A All-State Baseball team. Uh, you... You led Southlake Carroll, honestly, to a state title. You recorded 145 strikeouts over 87 innings, 47.1 scoreless innings. You had a 6 0 record uh, with 71 strikeouts, 0.19 ERA in your 2022 postseason games. You were ranked as the number three left handed pitcher in, in Texas by perfect game. Dude, with, with those stats, you know it's 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 crazy that you know to to read through it and to hear it um but you know talk to me what it's like to have those stats and then inevitably hoist up a championship trophy at the end of the year like um obviously it's hard work and it's it's a grind but you know do you feel like you guys were the the team to beat or were you the guys that were kind of overlooked and you worked worked really hard and you
3: you earned it um that year we were a little bit of the team to beat um we had gone to the quarterfinals the year before and I think we were returning pretty much everybody um we struck in the early season so a little bit of you know I think we got overlooked a little bit but as we as we got going I think we cleared most of the doubts. But, um, I tried not to, I tried not to really look at the stats as I went, just play it game by game, just focus on winning, which I feel like is very, like coming to LSU was like a continuation of that. Like, got I don't think Paul or Dylan are sitting there worrying about what their average or ERA is. They just want to win as many games as possible and win a national title. And, um, I had a great high school coach. I had great guys around me. Um. And I think that was kind of what we all we all tried to tried to emulate.
2: So let me ask you this: thirteen and one. Who was the one?
3: We uh, we went out to a tournament in California and in the not preseason, but like early season, and we lost to Orange Lutheran. I want to say like two two to nothing.
0: I like the I liked it. I heard Gavin
3: go mm, when you asked that question. <laughs>
0: It's a brutal question.
3: We actually, we actually played against a couple of, um, a couple of LSU former commits, uh, Mike Romero, and then I'm um, completely blanking on his name, Derek Curia. He's an Jerry LSU. Player. Was
2: it, was it a game that you feel like you should have won? Did you have opportunities to win? And you just, you guys just didn't, you know, have timely hitting or whatever the case was.
3: I didn't, I didn't pitch as well as I should have. But we didn't we didn't score any runs either.
2: So. You're not gonna win any games with a with a goose egg. So
3: I mean, I think the best I could have gotten is a no decision. But I'll I'll, t- I'll take the I'll take the loss on me. I shouldn't have given up. I shouldn't have given up two runs.
2: It, it happens, man. Obviously, I mean, there's a lot to be said, you know, for an athlete flying halfway across the country, you know, having to perform at a high level. Um, obviously, there are probably no slouch teams that that you guys are playing there. Why would you go there to play inferior, you know, competition? Um, but
3: you know, you said
2: this happened early in the
3: season. It was it was one of either my first or second start of the year.
2: So either, either way, you came back and went. You rattled off twelve in a row or thirteen in a row. However, it, it played out like. That in and of itself's got to be impressive, and you, you got to feel good about being able to bounce back and your your abilities on the mound and what you could do. Um, I'll ask you kind of the same question. You know, being in Texas and just everything that's magnified in the state of Texas, having a 0.19 ERA, not not quite as good as Gavin's, but you know, got I mean, some
0: work to do. Got some work to do.
2: You no, know, I mean double the yeah, it's Cool. Yeah, e-e- either way, like <laughs> unbelievable, like ERA. Like, what is it like for you, knowing that you tow the rubber and these guys don't have a chance against you?
0: I mean, forty-seven and a third scoreless straight innings, Daniel.
3: I gave up my streak on the seventh inning of the semifinal game. You said of that's what He remembered. I was I, I was pretty mad about it. I'm not gonna not going to lie to you but that that went away pretty quickly but it, it was it was a little selfish but I was I was mad about it <laughs> and it's okay you can be mad about it I would tell but, me it um, better
2: to answer probably, your question probably some bullshit hit to that flare like in like right over the shortstop's head or second baseman's head or some crazy ridiculous watch thing. him
0: tell you it was a bomb
3: it was a double in the gap. Mm. That's all right. But um, to answer your question, I just go going out pitching in high school, um, you know, in the competition, I'm not going to say that it was, it was the best, but I would say that it it was good. It was good. There were always two to three hitters um, in the lineup that I had to really watch out for. And I think that it, I think that I still if I wouldn't have stayed at a high focus level, um, you know, I still I couldn't just put on cruise control and just go through go through the motions, um, especially once we got into the playoffs. And you kind of I kind of had to start adopting a mentality that I think has helped me so far in college, Um, especially when, you know, you know, the teams relying on you, you get into those high, high pressure situations. There's a rule in Texas baseball playoffs where a, an opposing team can request a coin flip for a one- or three-game series. And so we got one game for the first two or three rounds in a row. So it's like you're one and done as opposed to the three-game series and just got to, I guess, just bear down and just trust your stuff, make your pitches.
0: That's a, that's a hell of a rule. We don't have that here because if you have the one and done and they got – the unhittable ace, then I mean, you're done.
2: Yeah. And I, it's, it's the better team, I think, you know, the deeper team with the better, deeper talent bodes well in a three game series. But if you got one ace that's just dominant, like that's the way to go. Let's be done. One and done. Let's get it out of here. Let's roll. Only problem is, is you're probably going to face the other team's ace, too, so you're going to be
3: best versus best. So I don't know. I don't know how much I like that. Did you like it? I mean, I didn't mind it. We we played a one game, so I got to go, like, to prom, which was nice. Oh, that's the <laughs> real reason We were supposed to be gone over the weekend. Our coach was trying to get the three game, and we ended up getting flipped for the one game. And I was like, hey, hey. I mean, I don't, I think we're gonna win. I think it'll be fine. And now we all get to go back and not be late. So.
2: Oh, so not only did you have those season stats, but you got to go to prom
3: too,
2: big season for you. Let's go, that's right. All right, so being in Texas, big 12 country, like you're getting ready to commit to college why, what was there any interest in big twelve schools or was it LSU
3: all the way? I would say honestly never really considered the big twelve um, my mom is from Lebanon, Tennessee. It's just outside Nashville. She's got a family full of Tennessee fans and so she had been she had been around the SEC culture kind of knows what it's about. And she always told me from the time I was I mean, I'm not gonna say a little kid, but like middle school, like if you're gonna take baseball seriously, you gotta go SEC.
2: So was what were your options?
3: I I committed at a very young age, which looking back at like obviously it worked out. I committed October of my freshman year of high school. Um so L S U technically at the time was my only offer. but um...
2: bold with that obviously once once you got down to it let me ask you this when you commit that early what is the what is the the true commitment there like at what point can you say no and just be like hey I'm gonna go somewhere else is that on the table at any point like yeah it's until you ink it right so would you have felt any kind of way to, to, to be like, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. Or are you a guy that's like, nope, that's where I committed. Like I, regardless of when I said it, I'm going to stay
3: true to my commitment. Just kind of the way that I, the way that I was raised is just to, if you make a commitment to something, then you're going to see it through. Obviously there was a a pretty big coaching change about halfway through my time being committed. And, um, you know, Coach Johnson came in, made made it very clear to me that he still wanted me to be a part of the team, wanted me to come with him, and um, you know, once I, it didn't take long at all. It took about a phone conversation or two to get fully comfortable with that. Um, I never had any doubts. I just I wanted to make sure and get to know him and his entire coaching staff, and you know, I couldn't be happier.
0: When a guy takes the first school like you did, the the one thing that we usually hear is they still would have picked that school, but they wish they would have took all the visits and took advantage of that. And I mean, why not? You you get, you know, the special treatment when you show up around campus, get to do all the things, get fed and and all that. And you know, even though you don't plan on going there, I mean, I'd I'd work the system like that. I'd I'd hit hit up my five best schools, but Nonetheless, Gavin, all right, man. So, you obviously came from Louisiana. LSU was where you always were going to be. You know, we get to fall ball. I was down there watching a lot. You know, we've been talking about it, the pitching, the shortstop. You know, obviously got to see you do both. You know, what was your thought process coming in? You know, the very thing we were talking about, about what you're going to be doing. What was Jay saying? You know, how'd that play out? Yeah, so coming in my freshman year,
1: uh, I was supposed to be. You know, I was gonna try to do both, and then uh, right before signing deadline, coming in my freshman year, um, what's his name? Carter Young, and then the other kid from Baylor. I can't remember his name anymore. They both ended up signing like a day or two before signing deadline. So then Coach J was like, "Man, you know, we don't have any. We don't have that many uh infielders. Like, you know, our infield group isn't that deep." Uh, we need you to just focus on infield, stay healthy so we can have depth and so off of the fall, you know that took place, and then all I did was I didn't touch a baseball fall, you know, just pitched I mean just hit, and then we get to the spring, we had some in- arm injuries, and then uh, I started pitching again like the very first week of actual regular season games started working with coach coach West and uh Got back going on the mound just because I wasn't, you know, a starting infielder. And um, you know, kind of the rest of the history just now doing both and seeing where that goes.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, obviously you start coming out of the bullpen, um, really become a guy heavily relied on, you know, I was I was reflecting back, looking at the stats, you know, obviously you had some appearances, but really from the Sunday game in Tennessee is when you just started becoming a regular, um, back end guy, you know, as a freshman in the SEC, what's the pressure like, you know, um, coming in, you know, in the, the tough situations, especially, you know, in the gauntlet of the SEC.
1: Uh, I would say that it definitely takes, you know, like someone who doesn't have fear, uh, because you're going, you're getting put into a situation where, like, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, everything's going wrong and there's no way out. You know, you're getting put in a situation where, you know, no one really wants to be in. You know, everyone would rather, you know, not be in that situation. And I would say for anyone who gets put in that situation and wants to have success, you know, you just try to kind of find the things that give you confidence. And the thing that always gave me confidence was because I'm a hitter also is like hitting in those situations is really difficult also. Right? right. Like, you know, hitting with runners on second and third two outs and come in the big spot. Like that's a, that's a tough spot to be in for the hitter. Also knowing, you know, he has to get a hit for there. You know, these runners that come in, he can't hit a ground ball to second base. He has to hit a line drive. You know, he's going to expand. So that's kind of always how I looked at, it. you know, the hitter is going to get big too. just come in execute pitches and um, let everything take care of itself. You know, if things don't go wrong, you know it is what it is. But just trusting your stuff, going in there and compete, have fun, enjoy it.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I definitely wouldn't have been made for coming out of the bullpen. Um, I'm anxiety filled. Like the pressure situation. I, I remember when Landon Sims came on here, and we asked him about because their opening game was in the uh Globe Life Field in the uh, the college baseball showdown and he came in against texas with bases loaded no no outs and i was like you know what was your thought process he said i was excited dude like he's like i thrived for moments like that and i was like dude who thrives for bases loaded nobody out like ah man, don't sign me up but closers are y'all y'all guys are built with different dna um you know you were three and zero on the season with three saves 3.77 era 42ks over 28 two-thirds innings Um, You know, obviously we don't have time to talk through everything in the regular season. What I want to talk about when you talk about um, being in the bullpen, when you talk about a closer's mentality, it's the uh, ability to have a short memory and bounce back. And so I looked back um, to the Kentucky game, right, which probably you would agree was probably, you know, maybe your toughest outing. Um, It's not just the giving up the, the runs, but it was the walks. But then you come back against them. Um, in the Supers, and you're absolutely lights out for two and two-thirds, you know, four Ks, and you get a save there. You know, talk about that mentality, like, to be able to forget what happened the previous time and come back out there and know, you know, you can do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. uh, I had, like, a two- or three-week stretch right there whenever I had my first outing against Kentucky, where, uh, you know, my stuff wasn't really there. My arm was kind of filling – just didn't feel right. The velo wasn't the same, you know, the ball wasn't really coming out very well. And uh, so, you know, I knew that going into the super, you know, it wasn't that they like had my number or anything like that. It wasn't any of that. It was just, you know, at the time, I didn't have my best stuff. So, uh, you know, I was in the bullpen warming up and uh, only thing I kept telling myself was like, you know, they're getting my best shot this time. Like, you know, they aren't getting lucky enough to catch me whenever I'm not at my best, right? Like, they're getting me. They're getting me at a hundred percent, and uh, you know, just bring it to them, show them what you got, and uh, you know, be the bigger dog in the fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, they probably thought because usually they always say it's easier to see somebody a second time, and if they got to you the first time, they probably thought, oh, you know, we've seen this kid before, we ain't gonna worry. And then instead, you shoved it down their throat. So, um, that that's what I love, man. It's the the ability to forget and you know move on. Um, you know, as far as regular season, I do want to ask, like, you know, what do you feel like was your favorite performance? Maybe not even necessarily because it was the best, but what was, like, your favorite outing in the regular season?
1: In the regular season? My favorite outing was definitely the South Carolina, whenever I close against them. uh, I felt like it was just, like, it was, like, my first real moment right at LSU where it was like, all right, game on the line, you know, as a pitcher or as a position player, it was like, all right, game on the line, like it's time to like actually go help LSU baseball win a baseball game. Like, you know, you're getting the ball right now. This is, you're the deciding factor on if LSU baseball is going to win a game right here. And uh, so it was pretty cool. Right. Cause you know, as a freshman, it was still, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time. So it was almost still kind of surreal that I was playing for LSU and it was my first moment of like, all right, like you've been watching this happen your whole life. Like it's time for you to go do it. And so that's probably that That was my favorite outing of the year in the regular season, hands down.
0: And yeah, and Founders is one of the parks that I have on my list that I actually haven't been to. And I, I hear that they can get pretty rowdy there. Like, um, you know, was it was it living up to the billing of what people say? Founders can get like they say. I, I hear they can get they can get pretty rude, so to speak. Uh, I'll tell you.
1: We had that weekend was a weird weekend, man. Uh, the first game, whenever Paul started, right, they had like the rain delay or whatever. But I'll tell you the the first two and a half innings of that game, they were rowdy. It was it was loud in there. It was electric. They were up on their feet, and uh, I thought it was a pretty pretty cool atmosphere. I, honestly, we didn't get their full you know everything because of this, just the situation. We played a really early game the next day. But those first two and a half innings, I remember, like, I thought it was re- – I thought it was legit. Probably probably my second favorite atmosphere in the in the SEC behind LSU. Yeah. But I, not, I only got two not, and a half innings
0: of it. Yeah, if, if you're not doing your job, if you're the opposing crowd and you're you're not making the pitcher, you know, feel it, uh, at least I feel anyway. anyways. That and the right – usually the right fielder, right? Like, so, as long as you don't cross yeah. any lines that say anything about family members, I feel like it's, it's fair game. Um, yeah. For you, Griffin, man, like, let me ask you, like, looking back and, you know, you started off, like, right out the gate, you know, pitching in game after game. Did you ever see yourself – obviously, you commit to LSU with the expectations of, of doing certain things. Did you ever see yourself having such a significant role in your
3: freshman season? I think that I always – I always imagined myself, myself having – a significant role but after the fall I mean just being brutally honest I did not have a great fall um flash stuff a couple times but just struggles with struggles with command had some brutal outings and yeah after that I really I didn't know what to what to think going into the spring other than just um go home for a little bit try to improve upon things try to improve my mental game and uh, the mental game is the biggest part about college baseball that people I don't want to say that they overlook but it's the biggest difference to me between college and high school baseball
0: yeah and I mean You know, speaking of Overlook, I'm going to get to it. As I read this, you know, 5-2 and record with two saves, 3.93 ERA. You had 41 Ks and 34 innings. Um, You know, like I said, you start, you know, right out the gate getting heavy action. But um, you have the win against Arkansas that I happen to be at, as well as that performance against Tennessee that I happen to be at. And that was when me and Chris Des Moines from 60 Foot 6-Inch Podcast had a conversation about you. And it was him that started it. He goes, dude griffin herring is under the radar like that dude and like so for you man like you know we talk about heavy action but you get arkansas tennessee you know at home in that environment first you know talk about that environment what it's like you know toe in the rubber in front of a packed out box obviously tennessee setting attendance records at the box but then also just you know going up against big time competition like that so early
3: I would say, honestly, like my, my mindset going into it was that it's, it's a win-win. Like I'm going to, I'm already out here. I'm just going to try to try to execute pitches and whatever happens, happens at the end of the day. Like that was, that was my, that, that was my mindset for almost the entire season was just whatever happens, like surrender the result and just try to execute your pitches and whatever happens happens. And when you're in an environment like that, like the Tennessee game, I mean, I don't know if I slept that night. It was the adrenaline, like everything. That was, I would say, I would say not by far my favorite, my favorite outing from the season, just because obviously there was, um, there was Omaha and then South Carolina was one that I enjoyed a lot too. But that one was just, the first time I think I really, really established myself, and um, I mean, our fans are our fans are ridiculous. They're the best in the country. It's not even close. And I remember hearing them chanting, and it was about women's basketball. And I'm just sitting there hearing them chant, and I was like, "Is this like, is this for me?" And obviously, it wasn't, but. <laughs> I didn't even think to bring that up because obviously I know that story, but
0: Daniel, I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. Griffin was on the mound when they announced that the women had won the national championship and the crowd went absolutely electric, but for what it's worth, like things were going good in the baseball game too. So the timing was, it was good, but for Griffin, it's like, all right. like, But that was pretty cool. Like when you talk about LSU as a whole, right? Like, cause I wouldn't even talk about that. Like, it just it just talks about LSU and the school and the community and the fans like you know we're at a baseball game and the basketball team won and everybody went nuts like so like that's just really cool um you know I left the hard question for you I didn't want Gavin to get pissed off at me I felt like you'd be the more relaxed person I've asked this I gotta ask this I was at Mississippi State also didn't go well for the entire bullpen including both you guys um obviously that set social media on fire um you know we as lsu fans you know were and me obviously because i don't talk bad about players as a matter of fact i think people who talk bad about i'm not even going that tangent but you know what anyway the bullpen sucked that's literally what it came down to y'all weren't good enough to win a championship is what people were saying so you know what's that conversation like amongst you guys you know because you know as we talked about with you know, Gavin's short memory, right? Like y'all know that that's just one weekend and that doesn't mean anything. Um, What's the conversation like after, you know,
3: basically that meltdown against Mississippi state. I think that we all, we all knew the type of stuff that we had in our bullpen. And, um, you know, when you have, when you have a leader like Paul and like Ty Floyd leading the way in some of those bigger games, we, I think that we all, it just kind of started to set in that, these games are going to start meaning something bigger than us starting after that series and um, just pitching, pitching for the guy, the guy next to you, like look out if you're, if you're starting your outing, look out at Gavin Dugas at second base. And I'm actually quoting Wes, Wes Johnson here, but um, you know, look out at Gavin Dugas at second base. He's having shoulder surgeries. He He's getting steroid shots just to be out there and, I mean, just show that same commitment level to the guys, the guys that are out there doing everything they can for you.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and obviously, we're facing getting Omaha. We're going to talk about how everybody that was being scalded bounced back in a whole other way. So let's start with you, Gavin. Man, let's talk Omaha. Um, this is obviously why you came to LSU, man. Um, um, you wanted to to compete and win a national championship. Um, you appear in three games, uh, once against Wake and twice against Florida. You know, just talk to me, man. We we talk about pitching at Alex Box, but well, what's it pitching like, man, in Omaha with a packed house?
1: Uh, I mean, pitching in Omaha was – that was – it was nuts. Uh, definitely the most people I ever played in front of. It wasn't even close. But uh, just the energy was unreal. The stadium, you know, looking around, you know, not quite the size of a big league stadium, but, you know, that's like – the stadiums that you play video, you know, you play MLB the show growing up and that's what the stadiums look like. And you just dream about playing in stadiums like that in front of a packed crowd and, you know, constant noise and just everyone watching you compete. But, uh, I mean, Omaha didn't go exactly how I wanted it to, you know, for myself and, you know, my, my own, uh, I guess would say my own achievements, but, uh, I got hit a little bit over there, but it
0: was, well, you know I mean, what? it was. You know what? I left it off because you notice I said, I said the three, you know, I, I left the, other... let's talk about it, man. How pissed off were you at the Tennessee game? Uh, I mean, you know what? I wasn't going to ask you, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you now.
1: Actually, you know, I got, I came out and, uh, you know, Paul was, Paul was Paul, you know, he went, you know, whatever it was. Eight and a third, eight and two thirds, whatever, or seven and two thirds, whatever it was. Unreal outing, and you know, uh, I I felt amazing in the bullpen. Like probably the best of my arm felt all year. Ball was coming out really good, hitting all my spots, throwing slider. Everything was everything was coming out really well. And I get out there, and uh, warm up pitches felt good. First pitch I threw was I thought wasn't even a terrible pitch, and uh, you know, a good hitter who had a great night he was like four for four on the night so it wasn't even just me it was off Paul too best pitcher on the planet probably but uh put a good swing on a good pitch and it ended up being a home run and in the moment I was kind of mad at myself because it made it like I think it made it five to three mm. but I I thought coming in I thought it made it four to three and so then I was like man and they're they're one swing away from tying this thing up like no way you just let that happen are you kidding me and then you know I saw Coach J walking out and I was like no shot like that really just happened like that was it and, right and there, that was right? the
0: thing like I, I watched you all year and you know I know your body language and, man like you could tell like man I, I no way I'm coming out right and that's why I wasn't gonna bring it up but man yeah you only get to throw one pitch and the thing about it is like as somebody who's a fan of you and believes in you, like I actually didn't want you to be pulled. The one pitch didn't, like you said, it's an anomaly. Like um, I didn't think that you were going to get pulled for real. I thought he was going to have a talk with you and calm you down, and then and then you came out. But you know, like you said, it didn't start the way you wanted to. But we're obviously going to get to it. It ended the way you wanted to. Um, but but let's talk about the other guys for a minute, man, because you you were just talking about Paul, man, um, like we when we're talking about like I was talking about people critiquing and saying, could LSU do it because of pitching, you know, it's, it was, well, it's just Paul, man. Like they can't do it. Cause it's just schemes. Like, what was it like to see Ty, Nate, you know, Riley Griffin, like, you know, obviously could do the names all day just to see everybody, man, like have their best stuff when it mattered most.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean, that's the best feeling, right? You work all year, all fall, all spring. You know, the the thing that we say, and I'm sure it's a lot of other programs, is just like, you know, every day just work on getting better. You know, the game seven against Butler is irrelevant to the season, but it's relevant in the fact that we can, you know, get better that day, right? We can get better. We can learn more about ourselves. We can learn how to play baseball at a higher level. And that's really what we were doing all year, just trying to get better each game. You know, we knew we were going to be a postseason team. Right, regardless of how bad we played, really, just we had too much talent on the field to not be a postseason team. So really, all it was about was just getting better throughout the year, and then uh, everything came together all at once, and uh, all the work we put into, you know, just completely unraveled all together. So it was, I mean, it was a great feeling sitting in the bullpen, knowing that whoever they called on was just going to go out there and do their thing, and uh, you just get to sit back and watch them do their thing. So it was really cool.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I felt like you guys definitely got the last laugh when, you know, people wanted to critique, man, and that's that's what makes baseball great. Um, You know, we're obviously going to get into the Florida series after I talk to Griffin, but I got one more question in regards to Wake, man. You watching Tommy White hit the walk-off bomb, I know what it looked like from my view, I know how I felt, but for you, man, like, what was it like watching that? Yeah, I was in the bullpen, so it flew right over my head. I was – Starting to throw some
1: plyos and get hot and getting moving. I didn't really know, uh, how far they were wanting Thatcher to go, just because, you know, obviously we had to win that game, but we knew Thatcher needed to bounce back at some point and throw again against Florida, and so I was getting my body moving around and, uh, you know, we were talking about different situations, and then Tommy comes up and hits a home run, and I just looked at uh Drew Finley, who was like our bullpen coach. And we just like looked at each other for like five seconds and we were like, oh, my God. And then we just took off running, just knew off the bat the ball was still in the air, just took off running. And uh, uh, I went and found Paul, gave him a big old hug. And uh, then we just went and I don't know, we just had fun and congratulated Tommy and just celebrated the win. It was it was crazy. It, that's one of the things that's kind of a blur to me.
0: From a pitching standpoint, man, just how cool was it, like, because baseball is also a game of great respect. Like, so we talk about Paul time, but watching Rhett, man, like, like he's that dude. Like, it, how cool was it just watching those two dudes duel?
1: Yeah, not even just Rhett. The, uh, hats off to Wake Forest. Uh, they probably had the best bullpen in the country. It was crazy whenever you're on game three against playing against them. And uh, they're on like their third pitcher, fourth pitcher, and they're rolling a the guy out there and throwing like ninety six mile carry heaters with the eighty five mile banger slider, filling up the zone. And you're just like, man, like
3: when like when do their
1: options start ending and we can you know get out of zero to zero game? Like at some point, like something's got to give. But uh, yeah, I mean, Reds a stud. All their relievers were studs. Uh, Watching those dude, watching those dudes pitch against each other, pitch against each other was a uh, really fun. It's two big leaguers
0: in college baseball, so yeah, no doubt. That's well, why I was. made you know, innings. Let me let me lead with that, Griffin. I'm gonna ask you this, man. This is how this is how I feel about it. Like, do you feel like LSU Wake Forest was really the championship? And what I mean by that, I mean I feel like those were the two best
3: teams. Am I wrong? I think it's I think it's hard to quantify who was who was the best team, even even at the end of the day, just because I think that there was so much talent between us, Florida and Wake Forest that it's almost I mean, baseball is just baseball. It's who's hot, who's playing as a who's playing like with the most love for each other, who's the most cohesive unit. And I mean, honestly, sometimes who gets lucky on a given day? And I mean that's just baseball. So I, I would say that it's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, Florida had a great squad. I don't know if they're I don't think that their pitching was close to Wake Forest's pitching.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you this, Tommy Hawk came on here. Um we had he was the second episode we had after Omaha, and he said, Man, this was the like tip in the cap, y'all. He said they felt like if there was any team, like when when you go in most times and you and you have the luxury of you got to win once and they got to win twice, you know you're feeling really good. But he said they never felt comfortable because it it was LSU. Like he he said they legitimately like were were worried. And so I thought that was a, a good respect factor, especially from somebody like Tommy. He, he'll tell you he's he's pretty he's pretty cocky trash talker. So, um. But man, let's talk about your performance against Wake, dude. Uh, performance of a lifetime on that stage, uh, biggest stage. You go four and two thirds um six k's allowed no runs you know talk about what was working for you on the mound that day to have such dominance because you know we're sitting there talking about the pitching but we know um you know Wake Forest's nickname is also Wake Forest uh they they had a top offense too and you absolutely shut them down
3: I think um I think the main thing that I had going that day was just fastball and fastball command um I don't think that they were really expecting me to take my you know 90-92 90-92 and just try to shove it right at them you know work in and out with it up and down and then um obviously slider was slider was pretty good that day as well kind of used it as more of a punch out pitch which is not I, I can get I can flip it over but sometimes that's when when I'll give up hits is when I try to flip it flip in too many sliders if the fastball command is not there so kind of having it more in my back pocket is like I'm gonna get them 0-2-1-2 with heaters and then come at him with the banger, like that's that's more of what works the best, especially when you're throwing more of a gyro, harder slider like I do. Um, but my fastball is kind of having some different shapes on me, which I'm actually working, working to, uh, you know, fix a little bit during this fall. But I think that it might have worked a little to my advantage when sometimes it was running, sometimes it was riding. I don't know exactly what was going on in that game, but I was probably just so juiced that mechanics can get a little out of whack and you know still still so much focus that, you know, you can kind of force the hand to make the ball go where you want it to go, even when things are a little bit a little bit off. But um I just remember coming out and wishing that I would have finished that inning. But <laughs>
0: No, nah, but I mean you you did your thing and like like you said, you were in command, you were control, you never you never got jammed up. Um and so dude, it was it was a good thing to see, and like I said, because um, you know, a lot of people didn't know, you know, if y'all were gonna be able to perform like that and um like I said, you put all the haters to rest. Uh, you know, I wanna ask you, you know, I asked him about Tommy. I wanna ask you about the Beloso bomb and Way Forest, um, you know, or against Way Forest. So, you know the tension of extra innings and, you know, everything else. What's it like to see, you know, one of the most veteran
3: leaders of your team have that moment on that stage? Uh, I mean, nobody deserves it more than him. Between between him and Dugas, the things that they did for us that season, I mean, just absolutely great dudes. Could not have asked for better team leaders. And seeing him do what he did in Omaha, I mean, I could not have been more happy for the guy. Love him to death. I know. I mean, team. I just
0: man, I his his dad hit me with a man hug, and I tell you what, he had to have been tired by the time he was done because every every dad wanted to to give him a hug, and he was hitting them all with him, and yeah, and so it was cool just uh, to be up there to see his you know his whole family was there to react the way they did, and like you said, um, a guy who deserves it because um, before y'all were on the scene, you know, I watched him have hard times, obviously, whether it's injury or you know when Trey first came on the scene and took his spot and he was having trouble getting the lineup so to see it all come to fruition like that was was really cool um but you know we're gonna get to the Florida series and we'll finish this thing up Gavin I gotta talk to you I showed you the video of you skipping to the mound to finish the game like you look like a little kid you know going out skipping the mound like uh never would have known you were closing the national championship like Obviously, we talked about the score and everything, but, like, you know, what's your what's your mindset going in that last inning?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I came in to throw the eighth, and whenever I'm coming into the game, my only thought was – because I'm I'm warming up right next to Paul in the top of the – or the bottom of the seventh. My only – thought or the top of the eighth. So, my only thought was that, you know, I'm going out there, I'm going to throw an inning, you know – Coach Jay wants me to just get back out here, you know, get an inning, soak one up, and then Paul's going to come in and close it. So I come in, get three outs, and then I go back in the dugout, and uh, the trainer's asking me if I need my heat pack and stuff to keep my arm hot, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm you know, I'm done. And then Coach West came up and was like, no, nah, you're finishing it. And then, like, my heart just started racing, like, knowing that I was going to be on the mound for the last pitch of a national championship game. Like, just kind of like I mean you know, so Paul
0: so Paul was gonna really go in because we were all up there talking we never believed he was ever going in with that score
1: no well see that was the thing in my head too I was like man I don't know like how smart it is but at the same time like you know if anybody deserves to close this thing out it's him like you know like he's the one that we rode here like he brought us here like if he wants this moment like
0: no, yeah, but I get the moment, get but it. is the risk worth the reward if something happens? I
1: was thinking too, and that's what Paul said, you know, it really wasn't worth it Uh, in the end of it. But, you know, so then he told me that, you know, Paul's not going out. I'm coming. And then I see Paul walking into the dugout with his tennis shoes on, and he looked at me and started laughing. And then he just came in uh, like, kind of gave me, like, a little side hug. He was like, you know, like, go finish it out. Go enjoy it. Like, you deserve it, you know. You're part of the reason we're here. Like, go enjoy the moment. And then I went out there and, uh, but the smirk, that's who the smirk was actually too. I, I looked around and I looked and made eye contact with Paul. And then I, uh, I just couldn't help but smile because me and him started right
0: before the last pitch, me and him made eye contact and I started laughing. Yeah. Cause you, that makes sense now. Cause like, like I said, you had like an evil grin on and it was like, man, this, this guy's ready to end this thing for sure. You know, you get that final strike. I love it. You know, your arms come out, and it's like, you know, come, come to me. But you know, we've talked, we talked to Land and Sims about this same moment after twenty twenty one. You know, talk to me about the dog pile for a second. You know, it, it's a fun thing, but it can get pretty dangerous. Did, were you on the bottom and and did it get a little, little dicey down there?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I would love the dog pile again this year, but hopefully that I'm like you know maybe that short second or something and i can <laughs> just go hug the other middle infielder and let the pile pile up a little bit and then get on the top because the bottom was no fun yeah. it was no fun at all it was
0: it was uh it's a bad 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> uh landon said logan tanner had to start yelling at people to get off of him because he could hear he could hear landon saying his skull was being crushed and so yeah uh the bottom is is definitely not fun, but nonetheless, like you hope that the uh, the emotions and the adrenaline rush can can get you through it. Um, yeah, you, sure. you know. But you said you 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 talk about the dog pile. We talk about the smile before it. Like when you throw your arms out like that, like where you blacked out at that at that moment. Like I mean,
1: I mean, yeah. No, that was. I, I can't really even remember making yeah I was blacked out yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> I, out. I can't remember even making the last pitch uh that's just watching the highlights and everything you could just see how quick everything unraveled from making the last pitch to looking at them and then Travinsky's already up on me and everything went by so fast
0: yeah and the first guy who's coming at you Travinsky's not small at all so like I mean you're you're getting you're getting tackled first of all by a very large individual. So what?
1: I got tackled by freaking Aaron Donald. <laughs> All
0: right, so Griffin, man, go, coming into this season, let me ask you, how do you guys stay focused to run this bang, thing back and not get caught being content with winning the, the first title?
3: You know, I think, I think we take a lot of lessons from the guys that have come before us. Um, you know, we had obviously Dugas Beloso set precedents precedence of be early to the field you know, be focused at practice. And I think that a lot of our returning guys and a lot of our, a lot of our transfers and freshmen are already picking up on it, but just the kind of mojo that we have around the field and the intensity and the intent behind everything that we do. I think that, um, I think we have a lot of guys who lead by example and just kind of hold everybody accountable. I think accountability is is the biggest thing that you can have on a baseball team. Um, because at the end of the day, whoever's going to put in the work and whoever's going to put in the time to become a real team and get to know each other. And I know that we're already putting in efforts to kind of try to bring bring together the freshmen and the transfers with everybody else. And, um, you know, we'll continue to do that through the fall and just having that having that big, almost like a family. I mean, that's that's what it takes.
0: Yeah, and you know, you bring you bring up the the transfers and the freshmen. And that's exactly where I was going to go. When you look at how well y'all did in recruiting, when you look at how well Jay did in the transfer portal, then you look at what's coming back. Especially you looking at the pitching, right? Like top to bottom. I mean, we went you know from last year to where like you know Gavin was talking about like obviously with injuries and everything you know like trying to piece it together but you look now like man so many arms like so many talented arms um you know just how excited are you like to get back out there and
3: do this thing again oh, i'm really excited i think that i think that we've got a really great staff and i think that we're going to have a couple guys kind of come up as as leaders on the staff like Paul did and um Ty and guys like that did last year that that are gone now, but they, they left, uh, they left real imprint on a lot of us. And I think that especially, especially as a pitching staff, I haven't really been around some of the, some of the new hitters and a lot of those guys as much, but I know that our pitching staff is already getting close and uh, we got so much talent. I mean, it's just about being able to put it all together, which I know coach Johnson, I mean, knows how to do it better than anybody else. And so with all this
0: talent, you know, knowing you obviously seeing that like you can go for long stretches of innings is, you know, obviously we are a long way from being there and obviously got to do fall ball. But I mean, it's competing for a weekend spot, something that's at least something that's on your radar that you would like to do.
3: I would say that it is. But at the same time, um, I mean, I don't like to get caught up in the roles. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch to the, to the best of my ability and give it everything I got this fall. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And as long as I'm helping the team win at the end of the day, then I'll be, I'll be content with, with the, my, my spot. Team guy,
0: I love it. All right. Last question, and man, I'll let Daniel play a game. of y'all this is coming to you, Gavin, obviously we've been talking about, we've been talking about the shortstop thing, um, you know, when I saw you in New Orleans and we hung out, you know, you were talking about you were taking BP every day. Is, is it still – is that still what's going on? And, man, just how do you feel swinging the bat? Or is, is it going well?
1: Yeah, uh, everything's starting to feel good. Taking ground balls, you know, lifting, getting back in shape, sprinting, uh, hitting, uh, you know, just focus on getting back to my thing, finding my timing and my movements and getting by my body moving back right. And then, you know, it's just going to be about game reps, getting live at-bats, seeing pitching, you know, being able to pick up spin and spit and take it at-bats and move the baseball and, you know, just get back in the groove of being a position player.
2: Nice. Well, it it seems like, and, you know, as hard as it is to repeat, if anybody's got a shot at doing it, it's you guys have done everything that you possibly can do um, in the offseason to Prepare you for uh, a good preparation this fall that'll i hopefully carry over in the spring. And I, I have a good feeling we're going to have you guys back on um, in the spring and we're going to be talking about big things again. So, um, best of luck to you guys. But before we wrap and conclude the episode, we got to play a game, man. We got to play this or that. It's the same game we play with every guest before we cut them loose. Y'all down to play?
3: Let's do it. Yeah. All
2: right. So, it's simple. All right, I give you two options you choose one option or the other can't say both can't say neither Uh, for this game griffin i'll start every question with you and then gavin you can follow up with your answer cool. All right, sounds good. All right, so tonight's. episode this or that's brought to you by the athletic collection, if you want some of the best hottest posters in the game especially two of the studs that we have on the podcast tonight, Gavin and Griffin, if you want their poster or you want many of our guest posters going over to the athletic collection, they can hook you up. It's uh, a good deal because it's, it's buying a poster that's supporting the athletes for the right reasons. And and guys, um, you know, Jim's got examples on video right now of his, Jim, if you want to point out,
0: Gavin. I mean, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I, no, no offense, Griffin. You don't, you don't have the specialty thing on there. The hammer time might be the. I mean, him and him and Captain Morgan on the other side are, are having a real contest for the best one. For Griffin, sure. we got to get we got to get you one with something with the. I don't I don't know I don't know what the word is. But we got to we got to get you one with something back there.
3: We can work on it. We'll see what we can do. <laughs>
2: All right. Um. So out of the gate easy question. Griffin. I say it's easy. I think it's easy. Griffin gumbo or jambalaya.
3: I'm going to go jambalaya.
2: Gavin, what you got? Gumbo. So mixed right here. Jim, what's, what's your favorite gumbo? I don't even really like gumbo. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Nice little, I, little.
1: Think, I think that I love jambalaya, but jambalaya can be replaced. There's nothing that can replace gumbo. True.
2: Very, very true.
0: Just all I know is I want both of them from Hot Rod. As a matter of fact, what we're talking about, <laughs> I got my I, – I did this for them. I wore this uh, – I had to wash it like five times in Omaha because they never lost when I wore it. So my Hot Rod's Creole shirt, you put, put Hot Rod on it, he'll bake everything the best.
2: Hey, we're going – we're putting these guys on the hot seat now. All right, Griffin, who's a better defender, Dylan Cruz or Trey Morgan?
3: That is tough. I would don't, say Don't duck it either. Just purely purely based on position, Trey. Just because he's making he's making scoops and those diving plays. Dylan Dylan is unreal in the field, but I feel like that there's not really very many people doing what Trey's doing at first base. Gavin, who you got? You better pick Trey. He's the one that would be scooping your scooping your bad throws from short.
1: Mm. I didn't make any bad throws from short. i pitched. <laughs> oh man, I'm a oh, man, That's so hard. I'll go. With, but I feel like Dylan was probably the best defensive center fielder
0: in college and baseball. And here's the thing. It, the the stuff that he did didn't look as spectacular as Trey because his anticipation and jump made it to where he didn't have to have difficulty. I think that's something that the casual baseball fan probably didn't realize that his read on the ball is
3: unreal. I yeah. gave up some some deep barrels against Wake Forest and Dylan just caught him standing. I mean,
1: yeah, it's hard it's hard to not say Dylan. You know, I remember in inner squads there was a few balls that I hit that he caught that. I was thinking to myself, like, there's no way that's an out. Like, I feel like that should be a double all day. I'm, I have to go, Dylan, that's and Trey's boy too.
2: That's how I feel. Anytime the bat hits the ball, I'm like, man, that should be a hit.
1: <laughs> I like <laughs> it though.
0: We why got we got two hits.
2: Why the pitcher have to pick that up and throw me out? That should have been a hit, bro. You- oh man! All right, Griffin, PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox. Gavin, PlayStation or Xbox? playstation playstation PlayStation. that's not even
0: close they're gonna go opposite the whole way i love this griffin what's your
2: favorite what's your favorite game
3: I would. i play i play a lot of mlb i don't i don't play video games too much but lately it's been the show when we were um when we were in omaha we would get like six or seven of us and just play like tournaments one on one, three inning games in the show for—I mean—hours. You got nothing else to do there. You're just sitting in the hotel. who, so who we, won?
0: Who won the tournaments, man? Who, who was the best out of all y'all? It
3: it would get it would be split. You know, sometimes sometimes I would win. Ac was pretty good. Chase was pretty good. My we were all pretty equal. But uh, you know, we get after it. We get competitive.
2: Yeah. Gavin, what's your favorite
1: game? Um. Uh... I'd say I'm, I'm starting to get back into MLB The Show. Uh, I just got a new road to the show player that I've been grinding out. But, you know, I think maybe the biggest sleeper game of them all is uh, PGA 2K. I knew you were going to say that.
2: I grind <laughs> hey. PGA 2K. I love it. Nice. All right. What do you like better, Griffin? Purple or gold unis? Purple. Gavin,
3: purple or
1: gold? Definitely the gold.
0: Oh my god, they're gonna for real go opposite the whole way.
1: An absolute tear in the golds. Come on, Griff. Paul
3: pitched in purples. Yeah,
1: but that was Paul. We won in purples because Paul pitched, not because the purples. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if the uniform ever decided it, ever decided a game, but
2: I mean, if if I don't know, but. You're putting the basis you on the you're taking, you're discrediting it yourselves, guys.
0: Well, you're talking to two superstitious cats. Like I said, I wa- I washed my shirt numerous times once. Look, it wa- if y'all lost – you know, when y'all lost the, wake for- the first Wake Forest game, like, I dismissed that shirt the rest of the time I was there. So, uh, that's the way I am. All right.
2: If you were left on an island with your worst enemy – or no one, but that was your only option. You could either stay with your worst enemy or you had to stay by yourself. Which would you choose,
3: Griffin? Probably my worst enemy. You need
2: need a companion?
3: At least something. I mean, I feel like I I don't really hate anybody too much. So yeah, I I don't think it would be too bad.
2: Gavin, where do you stand?
1: Uh, I mean, do I have a way off of this island or do I need him to survive?
2: Nah, I mean, you're just either isolated by yourself or you have someone to talk to, but you're not leaving the island. You're there. Oh, so there's
1: no way off the island regardless. Like, we couldn't, like, oh, by myself. Oh. I was thinking, you know, maybe me and this dude could work something up and build a little raft or something and get out of there, but if I'm stranded there forever... Regardless of if he's with me or not, I'm going alone.
0: Wow, they're like cast away. I can't do oh, it, man. Oh. I can't be alone.
3: You can, uh, you can cut this, but somebody having somebody else here, I mean, you could always eat them if you had to. Oh my god, it came down that's I
1: was
3: that. That was my original <laughs> thinking, and I had <laughs> to come up with some, with some BS. <laughs> why do I gotta cut that? That is amazing <laughs>
0: content.
3: That I mean, was that I was my original thought, was I'm trying to survive. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is.
2: My Se- things, like, season, can- nine. season 9, this or that, is if you are stranded on an island with your worst enemy, and you could either eat that person or starve to death, <laughs> which would
0: you do? I'm eating them. I, I think you got to, right? I think I mean, Gavin's out on the eating people thing. I think he's going to just... Go out with the bang. Uh, At least take a finger and try it. I mean,
1: in the moment, I feel like you would probably, you know, think otherwise. But right
2: now, thinking about doing that is absolutely not clicking in my brain. Can you imagine gumbo or jambalaya with that?
0: Oh, now you're really now you're killing it. Hot I, rods, hot rods, Creole can't save that, Daniel. No, no, All right.
2: no. All right, moving on. Griffin, would you rather own a massive yacht or your own private jet?
3: Probably the jet.
2: Gavin.
1: Like if I have a beach house in the Bahamas, then I'm going to take the yacht. But if not, then I'm going to take the jet so
3: I can go to the Bahamas. So you it have sounds like he wants a yacht. That yacht's got so many expenses. You got to pay the crew. You got oh, to you keep... How much you think gas up. is
0: on that jet?
3: But the you're using it for a purpose. You're, you got to pay for that yacht just sitting there.
1: Hey, Griff, you want to know something? If you have a private jet or a mega yacht, you're not worried about the expenses, Bub. I'm always
3: worried <laughs> about the expenses.
1: <laughs> the expenses that you're paying on gas and what you're paying the little cleaning lady per month isn't really what crosses your mind
0: i think he's right i think he's I right awesome. he's,
2: i would imagine griffin said he's he's in for the long game he's trying to save a buck here or there
0: uh, if I, it wasn't
3: was to people boat? can i rent out my
0: jet boat i think you're so he is all about this cost cut now he's trying to rent out the jet all i know is If it wasn't for, for Gavin's Island answer, we'd have, I'd have the same across the board.
2: All right. Griffin, would you rather spend an hour in a walk-in freezer or two hours in a sauna?
3: I go with the freezer.
2: Gavin, one hour in the freezer or two hours in the sauna? Definitely the freezer.
1: And I can just bring a blanket or some extra clothing or something.
3: You can always get warmer. You can't really just get cooler. Yeah. You, can.
1: you can put clothes on. There ain't, I mean, you can't take your skin off your body to get warmer in the sauna.
2: True. Very true. All right. If Last question. What would you rather do? Would you rather win a million dollars or win a national championship? Oh, that's so easy.
3: That is easy. National championship.
2: National championship. You guys are still. You guys are being just silly. You already got one. What do you need another one for? But hey, you're,
0: but the hey, question's kind of in context, would they take the national championship? Basically, is one or a million dollars?
3: No, like I mean, the, the, the only thing better than one national championship is two. Man, no a,
2: zero national championship and a million dollars is way better.
0: Can Can I tell you something, Daniel? If the, if these two continue on the trajectory they are on. They may end up with two national championships and a million dollars, bro.
1: You could, you could. I don't put doubt a, it. A, a suitcase with a million dollars in front of my face right now, and say you can take this and not win a national championship this year, or you can not take this and guarantee a national championship. And I would tell you to probably get away from me and never talk to me ever again, and take the ring, and
0: just get on with my life.
3: See, I don't know. I, I think I'd have to, I'd have to sit there and think about it for a second, but it wouldn't take that long. Oh, yeah. Griffin yeah. and the money, man. Greg.
0: <laughs> Griffin and the money. Griffin, the... yeah. He's thinking yeah. about paying his cleaning lady with that mill, apparently. No, but I, I wouldn't Stop take. About that, I
3: wouldn't. I wouldn't sorry. take it at the end of the day, but I'd have to at least like you know I got to consider things, but I wouldn't take it.
2: No way. Hundred percent. That that money would be in my account faster, than y'all could count it. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right, guys, it was an awesome episode. It was awesome hearing your story and, and really just kind of unpacking for the first time um, the the national championship run. Uh, but before you guys bounce, uh, Griffin, I'll start with you, man. Anything you want to plug or promote? I'm all good. Gavin, anything? Uh, I would just, just
1: shout out my family, I guess. And then God, Uh I'd say I, without those two things, I wouldn't be here. And, uh, yeah, love them both. Love family, love God. Thanks for the opportunities I've been given because of them. Absolutely.
2: Got to. Got to got to
1: give.
0: Now, now Griffin, no, like Griffin wants to come I back. I thought he meant like a sponsor <laughs> or something. I was like, I don't know. It's to whatever you want it to be. Sometimes it's sponsors. Sometimes it's what, what Gavin did. It's whatever, it's whatever you want to shout out. I've already made my
3: bed. I'll just sit in it. <laughs> there you go. There
2: you go. I'll, I'll help you guys out if if you want to know what Gavin Gidry's doing or Griffin Herring's doing on a Wednesday night. Maybe they're recording a podcast. Maybe it's Tuesday. They're having a nice little Taco Tuesday. Or maybe they're just at the baseball field. You know, doing some PFPs and and you know work, working some spots. You, you never know. Going over to IG. You got G underscore Gidry dot six and Griffin underscore Herring twenty two. And if you want to stay up to date with all LSU baseball things, schedules, events, the fall stats, the whole nine, you name it, go to IG at LSU baseball. Gentlemen, it's a big season coming up. We wish you guys nothing but the best. Stay healthy, stay safe. And we hope to have you back here in the spring. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
3: Appreciate you guys.
2: For sure. That's Gavin Gidry and Griffin Herring, everybody. If you like hearing their story or you just like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter or X, whatever you're calling it, these, these both are okay, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor, as always comments, ratings, feedback, hearts, hugs, loves, thumbs up, we'll take it all and we'll see everybody next week, we got episode 15 coming at you, we got to discuss transfer portal, transfer from Alabama now. LSU Tiger guys, we got Luke Holman coming on. I know you guys are excited about having him join the staff. But we gotta unpack his story. We gotta talk to him and see, you know, how his journey got him to Baton Rouge. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind, all the time. We're out.